My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Sissy Goff. Sissy has over 20 years of experience counseling kids and families. She's worked as the director of child and adolescent counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville, Tennessee, since 1993. She spends most of her days talking with girls and their families with the help of her assistant and her pet therapist, Lucy. She's written seven books, one DVD curriculum, and is currently working on her newest book, which we'll talk all about today. Sissy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. So happy to have you with us. The first question I have to ask is, what do you love most about the work that you do? Oh, that is a great question. You know, I think probably that I get to be, I think honestly what I wish I'd been what I wish I'd had in my life when I was growing up where I get to walk alongside kids at this really cool place and ask the hard questions and encourage them and sometimes push them forward a little and see just the change that God brings forth in these girls' lives in the long haul. And it is feels like an honor to get to do every day. And it's so cool, too, because a lot of your work has been done like the website is raising boys and girls, and you've authored lots of books like Intentional Parenting and books for boys and girls. But the focus, I think, for you is is working with girls. And I was just talking to somebody yesterday about just that special relationship that can exist between a mentor or a friend, someone that comes alongside our girls who's a non-parent who can just sort of build this really incredible rapport and establish trust and openness and bring something special out of our kids that we as parents struggle sometimes in those difficult years to do. You're exactly right. We tell parents all the time, especially as kids move closer to adolescence, it's like the parents' voices get a little bit quieter. And so you want other voices to come in and layer around. And at Daystart, we say it's not really that we're saying anything different than parents are saying, but we're just a new voice. And so sometimes the kids hear us a little bit louder. Absolutely. And I think, too, if you could just unpack that a little bit, I want I really want parents to know how natural and how common and how normal it is for kids to do that. So will you just talk a little bit about that so that they're not feeling like, is this just my kid that's, that's sort of closing <laughs> themselves off and not being open with me? Will you just share a little bit about your experience and what you see? Yes, I I definitely think every kid does it. And really, they have to do it to become their own people. That as they're moving toward teenagedom and moving through it, that they're, they're really trying to individuate and become their own girls and guys. And so they have to pull away from their parents to create their own identity. And, and I think what's hard is often girls I mean, I I talk a lot about it being like a pendulum and they have to kick off their moms the hardest in particular. And I think boys have to do the same with their dads because they're they share the same gender and have had the most in common. And so to be their own people, that transition is the biggest. And I think a lot of times the most painful and and really in terms of the mentor piece of it, I think that gets really hard sometimes because, well, this is a great illustration. I had a really interesting conversation with a parent. David Thomas, who's my counterpart, he works at Daystar Counseling Boys and writes and speaks and stuff with me. And he was working with a boy 
for years. And the mom brought the daughter in to see me. And I think she was 12 at the time. And she said, you know, I just need you to know how grateful I am for David Thomas and my son's life. His dad's just not engaged with him emotionally. And he needs a man who can do that. And she said, and I'm bringing my daughter to you because I know this is an important time for her to have somebody to talk to. But I need to tell you that you really threatened me. (laughs) And she said, just at the time that my daughter's pulling away from me because of development, I'm paying you for her to talk to you. And that scares me to death. And I thought, wow, I've never heard a parent say that. But that makes so much sense because they are pulling away. And, And so as a parent, there's a lot of fear involved in that for you. But but what I tell parents all the time is. Yes. I mean, my hope is I have a, an important voice in the lives of kids, but at the same time, I'm temporary and parents are forever. And so the kids come back, but they really do have to pull away to become their own little people. I, I totally, that's such a good point. And I think for me, like, you know, and I think about Rooney, like she's so small still, but she and I are just starting to have, she's two and a half. We're just yeah. starting to have these like sit down conversations about, you know, feelings and different, like when she can tell me she's feeling frustrated about something and, and why that is or why she disobeyed me. So we're just like at the cusp of her, you know, entering like full-fledged toddler time. But (laughs) for me, like I've done so much work with kids specifically in middle school and just, it's so neat to hear you talk about a mom that that came in and came to you and just admitted, hey, this threatens me and makes me feel really uncomfortable because we do want to be those people for our kids. Like, I want to be the person my daughter feels comfortable coming to. I did not feel comfortable going to my mom growing up and telling her anything. I was very closed off child and just felt like, you know, sharing emotions was weak. I didn't want to bear my soul to anyone. I just thought that that they would judge me. I don't know what I thought, but we want to be that as moms for our kids and for our girls specifically. Like we don't want our girls to get into a place where they don't feel like they can share with us. But what I hear you saying is that's healthy, that's normal. And what's cool about what that mom did is she sought you out as somebody who could sort of bridge that gap between her and her daughter or fill in the hole. Yes, exactly. And Erin, I love that you said that because I think I sit with parents. I mean, we have we do individual counseling at Dacer and group counseling, but we also just meet with a lot of parents who it's not even necessarily that their kids are in counseling, but they're just kind of saying, Hey, am I doing this right? Is there anything else I need to be doing? And I have talked to so many parents who did not feel connected to their own parents. And so there's this thought of, we've had this really rich relationship all these years. I poured into her in a way that my mom didn't me. And so won't, won't we be able to prevent that from happening? And so then when the child does pull away, I think that parent, moms particularly can feel a lot of shame, like, oh no, I did all these things to prevent this and it's still happening. Rather than every girl has to do it to become her own person. And it's and really it means you love them in a lot of ways that they feel the freedom to pull away. That means it's kind of a safe place, like your home base and they can run out knowing that they can come back. And you're that, and then you're that constant. It's not, you're not going anywhere. You're always going to love them. There's nothing that they could do that would change that. And they can feel, they can feel safe stepping out, like you're saying, and and even maybe taking some risks and getting out there and, and sort of putting themselves out there with somebody else and, and opening themselves up to different relationships, different friendships. I really like that you're, that this is where we're talking about now. <laughs> so true. And, you know, I read one time, which I think is so fascinating, that when something goes wrong in a boy's world, that he blames someone else. And when something goes wrong in a girl's world that she blames herself. 
And I think part of what happens is for girls, they hit that place in puberty where they start to really doubt themselves, but they don't know what to do with it. And so often, again, because the mom's been the person closest to them, it gets kind of shoved over onto their moms. Mm -hmm. And so the anger that they express towards their moms or they're pushing against or the ambivalence is really often about like, I don't like myself in this moment and I don't know what to do with it. And so I think that makes some of the where the relationship gets a little harder too. But again, that just means I love my mom. I feel safe with my mom. I know she can take it because like you said, she's not going anywhere. Wow. And I, the, the, what you just brought up, like, and, and we naturally compare ourselves to, to boys, but I think, I think what you're saying about that, and I just want to camp here for a second, like, but that is what boys do. And that is totally what girls do. Like I can think about my nephews and even like they're five and or, or they're six and four now. And they totally, when they make a mistake, it's like someone else's fault. No, 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 it was them. And yeah. when girl, like when girls feel threatened or like they did something wrong, they shoulder that burden and that guilt and that embarrassment on themselves. Like, like they caused it. And it somehow says something about who they are as people. Do you ever say that to girls? I mean, the girls that you counsel, I mean, without being specific, do you ever say that to girls? Like that is, that is what we as girls do and you identify it right then and there? Yes, we talk about it a lot because I think it helps take away some of the, gosh, something's really wrong with me to know every girl on the planet does it and we still do it as women. Oh, totally. It's so funny too because I, and you know, I've been spending a little time, you know, talking to moms and kind of traveling around and, and sharing, you know, what we're doing at Bible Bells and like why it exists and why I care about moms and girls specifically. But this is totally a conversation for moms. Like we're all grown up girls and yeah. we all dealt with this when we were young and either kind of grew out of it, but are still kind of broken from it or just like continued playing that game and feeling insecure and feeling shameful and feeling like we're not worth very much. And, and I feel like that a lot. And, and sometimes like the enemy is kind of in my ear like, oh, you know, you're, you're the person that like grew up and, and that was your history. How are you supposed to be the one to like guide and mold and develop this small girl who's not yet going through what you went through, but like you did it really poorly. I have to like beat the enemy back on that almost every day. Yeah, but instead to see that that's so much a part of God's redemptive work, that mm -hmm. because you walk that journey, your voice has even more power and more impact in her life because you know. Totally. I want to ask you too, so I, you know, I struggle with like, you know, I want to build this bond with my daughter. I know she's not going to necessarily bond to me. There are going to be, you know, times in her life, natural behaviors, tendencies that will you know, she'll pull away. She's going to guard her emotions. She's not going to want to let me in. She's going to fight me on certain things. But like how much of sharing our own personal experiences and our own failures, mistakes, the journey that we've personally taken as young girls ourselves, how important is that in, in sharing and in developing a relationship with our daughters? Like how much do we share? What, what do you think that looks like? What do you recommend? Ooh, I love that question. I think when they're younger, it's so great for them to hear things like, I really messed up a lot when I was your age, or I really sometimes could get caught up in thinking more about the popular girls than the people who were really my friends. I mean, I think in those years, because there's, it's just hard because of that same idea that we, we turn on ourselves so often as girls that I think for us to kind of tell on ourselves as adults helps them feel freer. Like it really is okay that I mess up and gosh, my mom's my hero and she messed up too. So that must really mean it's okay for me. 
I think that's really important. I tell parents that a lot. Like I say, you need to become comfortable with the idea of failure in your home. Tell your daughter, I did the dumbest thing at work today or whatever it is like that. And I had a mom literally last week say that she said to her daughter that she had made someone cry at work because she was trying to make her daughter feel better about something relationally. And so the next day she went to have lunch with her daughter at school and her mom said, this is my mom. She makes people cry at work. Oh, no. (laughs) So funny. But then I think it gets a little trickier as they move towards adolescence because we have a book called Raising Girls, and in it we call 11 to 14 or 15 the narcissistic years because they're really thinking about themselves so much. And and in that window of time, I think you can still tell stories, but they're just not listening as much, mm-hmm. and they're so consumed with themselves. They're going to think, oh, you don't get it. Everything's different now. You don't know what it was like to live with social media or whatever. So I think we have to kind of talk in shorter spurts through adolescence. And then the other thing I think we have to be careful of is – especially when they're teenagers, sometimes kids will say things, and this isn't even really where we're going, but but I feel like it's something I hear parents wonder about a lot is, you know, in terms of my history, if I use drugs, if I had sex before I got married, something like that, and they ask me that question, do I tell them? And I think my experience is that often girls use that for leverage. Like I've heard girls say, well, you know, my dad did drugs when he was in high school and he turned out fine. And that's not really ever helpful for them. But I high, think. high school me is like mulling that over going, that's exactly what I would have said to my parents. Well, you did it. So it's good enough exactly. for you. It was good enough for me. Exactly. Instead of, oh, well, let me learn from my mom or dad's mistakes, which I think is sometimes why parents tell them that because they're hoping they won't make the same mistake. But it just unfortunately doesn't work that way unless your child's done something and they feel so broken and repentant and they feel like they're the only one who's ever had that mistake made that mistake. I think that can be a time to talk through it with them. But otherwise, I do think it just becomes license for them. I could talk about this all day. This is so helpful. (laughs) So you just I mean, you travel all over the country, you've spoken to thousands of parents and teachers and girls. You were just recently at MomCon, which if the people who are listening don't know, I mean, we had Mandy Ariato from Mops on the podcast about a month ago. It's their international leadership conference. It's called MomCon. It was in Wisconsin, wasn't it? Yes, it was a blast. So will you talk a little bit about what you presented at MomCon this year? Did you, you led a workshop and just some of the bigger t- takeaways that you think were really valuable from what you shared with parents and what you shared with the moms that were there? Sure. Yes, I did a class on raising girls, which I've done for the last two years there. And then David Thomas, who's my counterpart, did the boys version. And it was fun. The way that we do it is we go throughout development from Actually, I only had an hour, so I could only get up through the narcissistic years. But I talked about three different stages in a girl's life and who they are and what they need at each stage. And then if I have more time, I go into the fourth stage, which is the great news where they come out of the narcissism more. But just kind of breaking down those pieces of it help with exactly what you said earlier to get to that place where you think, oh, wow, my child's normal. What we're going through is really what everybody else is going through in this window. And how can I step in in practical ways? And so like with little ones, we talk about exactly what you're doing, which I love, is how important it is to talk about emotions with girls, how much to engage with them in that way. And and really that across a girl's lifespan, she's defining herself against this backdrop of relationship. And that at that stage, who she sees herself in is who you reflect to her in the way that you engage with her and talk about the need for girls to be delighted in and how foundational that is to who they are. And then 
that so that's what we call the discovery years and then the second stage is what I call the adventurous years and those are those girls who are you know learning all the new skills out playing soccer I always picture them you know there's so many movies about girls at that age I picture them in their little on their bikes with streamers coming out of their handlebars and pedaling slinging mud up on the boys behind them you know there's a lack of self-consciousness that I think is really rich in that window and so we talked about how to kind of shore girls up in terms of relationally and different activities and things they can involve themselves in to help booster their confidence because in the next season it flags so significantly for all of them and how normal that is and then even breaking down just different changes that are taking place in their bodies and brains throughout adolescence that really impact that piece of it too. And how we do exactly what you and I've been talking about, about pulling in other kids too that can have voices as parents' voices get quieter and other kids who can encourage and speak truth into their lives. And then we talk about two different trends that I think are more significant than ever for girls. Like anxiety is such an issue for girls today and social media, just things that I think are making it harder and harder for girls to really come into who they are and who God's made them to be. I want to go back a second because that's that's it's so rich what you're outlining. And I know there's so much depth to what you do and what you teach for parents. Can we just sort of camp out a bit with the adventure stage and that struggle with self-consciousness, I think. And what you're describing, like I can close my eyes and just remember biking down my own street and like holding my arms out and trying to balance the bike where I wasn't holding on to the handlebars and just that's like such a picture of freedom from my time as an adolescent when in that moment, like I was not caring about who was looking at me, what someone cared about, what I was doing. And then you just watch this shift as girls get older. And this plagued me personally. And I've spent so much time in the classroom with kids. I've just watched this happen over and over where they just start to close in and become guarded and very like hyper aware of what they're doing and how is that being judged and perceived by the people who are around them. So will you just talk a little bit about, I don't know, practical advice for parents at that stage? Like when you start to notice that your kids are withdrawing or their personalities are shifting a little bit where they're a little bit more in tune to what people are thinking about them versus, you know, here's who you are and you're beautiful and God designed this amazing young woman that no one will ever be like in the history of time. What's the advice there for, for you know, girls who are withdrawing or having trouble articulating and just shutting down and, and feeling self-conscious? What do you say to those parents? Well, I think one thing is that how important it is to have conversations with the, your daughters about what's happening and, and even what's about to happen before you get there. Because again, like we're saying, whenever something's wrong, they're going to think, what's wrong with me? And so when all those changes start to take place, they're going to think, oh, no, I'm a failure. I'm the only one experiencing this. And so, you know, just like we want to talk to girls about the changes in their bodies and sex and all those things, we also, I think, need to talk to them about some of the changes taking place in their brains. And one of those that I think is particularly interesting is that when a child's a toddler, obviously the brains are growing really fast. And then throughout elementary school, it has this period where it slows down and then somewhere around. 9, 10, 11, when their bodies are starting to change, their brain growth takes off again, so much so that it really literally causes their brain to malfunction. And we call them hiccups in confidence. And so it affects two things when that happens. And one is our memory and the second is our confidence. And so 
I mean, not only again, hormonally is so much shifting, but her brain growth is really dictating that she's going to randomly feel bad about herself. And she will think, what's wrong with me? And I was counseling a little girl one time and I talked to her, her mom hadn't talked to her about any of this. And so we had a lot of these conversations and she came in several months later and said, remember that thing you told me my brain was going to do? And I said, yeah. And she said, it's doing it all the time. And I would so much rather her realize this is a change in my body. And it means I'm becoming a woman, which is really great, rather than I just feel terrible about myself and no one likes me. Because so that's- she, was a vi- she was able, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but she was able to, after you told her that this was going to be a natural thing that would occur, she was able to identify it in herself when it, when it started to happen? Yeah, she absolutely was. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I think we need to talk to them about it. And not in the middle of when it's happening, but when they're doing okay and in a calmer place. And so I think that's part of it, the parent really educating them. But I think with girls, it's great. I mean, I think even with sex talks with girls, it's great to take them away because they're going to feel awkward. They're going to get embarrassed. And so to have a fun mom-daughter weekend where you can go, even if it's not out of town, just go stay in a local hotel or something and have those conversations and make it a fun girls weekend, I think is really helpful. But then that's where, too, because so much of their focus is going to be shifted towards other kids, that's where I think every girl in that window of development needs some other kids who are really encouraging her, really speaking truth into her life about who she is, because their voices are going to be so impactful. I want to give you some time right now, too. And and there are so many resources that you have been a part of co-writing and co-authoring that will help parents come alongside their kids and just pour this wisdom and pour this truth into them and really, really grow them into, you know, secure, capable and strong individuals. I want to give you a chance right now, though, to talk about your newest book, when it's coming out, what it's about, why you felt God put that on your heart to, to deal with this issue right now. Well, it is coming out February 14th, which is kind of funny. It's called Are My Kids on Track? Because, you know, that's what everyone wants to read about on Valentine's Day is are their children on track? <laughs> but basically, it is something that we wrote. It's interesting. I've counseled 24 years at this point. And, and really, in the last four years, it feels like things are changing with kids really drastically. And so... David and Melissa, who's our boss and who I've written a lot with, and I wrote this book kind of as a response to our growing concern for kids of things that they feel that it feels like they're missing. And so what we did was we picked four emotional, four social and four spiritual milestones that we feel like are really vital to a child growing up. And, you know, you think about taking your little one to the pediatrician and how there are so many milestones that you talk about. Are they grabbing? Are they pulling up? All these different things that they're supposed to be doing physically and cognitively. We can look at a child and we can literally say, you know, they're at a fifth grade, fourth month reading level. But nobody's talking about emotionally and socially and spiritually the things that they really have to be reaching to become healthy adults. And so... We've broken these down, and and then the way that we did it is in each chapter, we talked about what it looks like. Actually, we talked about stumbling blocks and building blocks for boys and then for girls for each milestone. And it's things like ownership, which is learning to say I'm sorry. It's reciprocity in relationship, which means, you know, if I'm sitting across from you at the table that you ask me a question, and then I ask you one back. How many adults do we know who never learned that? that you can- <laughs> totally, where you're like, I'm, I'm asking all the questions during this conversation, and then nobody finds out anything about you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, things like that that feel like they really are vital to 
who our kids grow up to be as spouses and friends and coworkers and all of those things, but that they're missing. Another one that I feel particularly strongly about with girls is we call it perspective in the book, but I talk about it as self-regulation a lot with kids that, you know, we think about emotions on a one to 10 scale. And I feel like so many girls that I meet with now are at 15, you know, they're not even up to 10. They're just blowing it out, whether it's sadness, whether it's anger, whether it's embarrassment, they just don't have this healthy sense of perspective. And so how do we get our kids to learn some of that? Well, I want to just urge people and encourage our listeners that, I mean, find this book when it comes out and we're a couple of months away, but I mean, the resources that exist and Sissy's work in the lives of kids and parents is really, is really so important. And I'm, I'm glad that we've had an opportunity today to sort of, you know, just, just sit and talk about some of these issues that plague parents. And I know me personally, I got a lot out of this conversation and just, you know, the way I can approach Rooney and, and, and figuring out the best way to sort of tackle some of these things that, again, is, are very normal, very, you know, developmentally sound things that she's going to experience. Well, thanks, Erin. You're so much fun to talk to. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, we I cannot believe I have to wrap up this episode. They go so fast. Can you believe we're, we're almost done? No. So we finish out each episode, and I'll give you a chance at the end to tell everybody where, where they can find you and, and all that good stuff. We finish each episode with something called The Scoop. It's three rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, question one. Obviously, our podcast is called Heroes for Her, and we love heroes. So when you were growing up, who was your hero? Wonder Woman. That's the second time I've heard that. You know, Lisa Bevere told me that she loved Wonder Woman because she liked that she had a whip and that (laughs) she seemed like she could attack people and do damage. And I was like, that's forceful, but I I liked that answer. But yeah, no, I'm glad that you share that with her. Wonder Woman was awesome. Yeah, I think I more liked her little bracelets that she could deflect. Things. I know, right? I, that's what when I think of her, I'm like, she had those wicked, cool, and I'm not from Boston, I just said wicked, <laughs> gold cuffs that yeah. are like super, I don't know, they remind me of like Egyptian, I don't know, they were just really cool and they were shiny and they could like, I don't know, she could use her powers through them, it was neat. Second question, what is a piece of advice that you've received from somebody that has impacted your own life in a powerful way? I think someone told me once you can't ever ask anyone to go somewhere you're not willing to go yourself. So that has, I think that's informed a lot of my work with kids and and even counseling and emotionally of just, it keeps me very humble. I think I've I've always got to be really pursuing the Lord. Third question. If you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Oh, can I think about that for just a second? Do, do, sure, I'll pause. do what I do when I'm in the classroom and I want kids to answer a question, but they need a little time. I'll just I'll just talk and I'll say <laughs> maybe, and I'll repeat it and I'll go, so the question again for Sissy, and then they go, oh my gosh, she called my name, <laughs> is if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Maybe to be multiple places at one time. Multiple places at one time. That's yeah. interesting. I hear a lot. I'd like to move quickly from one place to the next place, but I like the idea of like separating your buy. I can go 14 different places. I can go to the store. And for me, it's like practical mom places. Like I can go to the store. I can go to my friend's house. I can go to the coffee shop all at the same time. I, yeah. I was thinking be at my house, be at Disney World. Oh, was- that's amazing. Yeah. I would go to, I, we just got back from Hawaii. I could be in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. I love that. Sissy, as we wrap up, can you just let everybody listening know where's the best place for them to find you, follow you, and check out more of what you're doing? We have a blog called RaisingBoysAndGirls.com that we post on a couple of times a week. We have something called Technology Tuesdays on there where we're trying to help parents with technology. We are on Instagram as Raising Boys and Girls, and we're on Twitter, all those social media places. We'd love for you to follow and friend us. Awesome. Hear that, everybody? Find Sissy and her work. And her counterparts, too, are, are fabulous as well. So definitely, RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Find her on Instagram and all of, all of those social media channels. Sissy, thank you so much for being here. You rock. So much, Erin. It was so fun to talk to you. Thanks so much. It's okay. okay bye-bye. To not be okay. This is a safe Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let go.